1: Here at the Ranger Report Podcast, we only represent products we believe in. As you've heard over the past year plus, we've been running our Walton's commercial. I've been using Walton's products for a long time now, and let me tell you, they're some of the best seasonings I've ever used. One of my staples to make at my house are pork chops, and their Ultimate Pork Chop and Roast, roast, roast has gotten more compliments than anything that I've ever used. For burgers, their Better Burger Seasoning is delicious, and I only use that on my burgers. Again, tons of compliments. They have all kinds of seasonings that you can imagine. They have barbecue sauce and the thick kind, not the watery kind at all. If you're into wild game, they have seasons and rubs for that as well. Don't forget their line of sausage casings and all the tools to make your own meat products from sausage and jerky to grinders and more. Walton's really is a one stop shop for everything but the meat. If you like tips and tricks and videos on how to do a whole lot of things when it comes to cooking, then you should go to www.meatgistics.com. Go to www.waltonsinc.com today and start shopping and tell them the Ranger Report podcast sent you. Waltons, everything but the meat.
2: This is Bruce Bochy and you're listening to the Ranger Report. The Ranger Report. hear yeah, the Ranger.
1: Inside Scoop,
2: listen to the
1: Ranger
2: Report. Oh, here we go! This is the Ranger Report podcast. News, insights, predictions, interviews, and information about the World Series champion Texas Rangers, from the major leagues to the minor leagues. And now, here are your hosts, Ben Dieter, Tyler Nielsen, and C.J. Berryman.
1: All right, everybody, welcome to the Ranger Report podcast, brought to you by Waltons. Waltons, everything but the meat, part of the Fans First Sports Network, and of course, presented by Dallas Sports Nation on the preferred health solutions hotline today. I am Ben Dieter. You can find me on, I guess, formerly Twitter at bdeter 75
3: I am C.J. Barryman. You can find me on the X hey. app at C.J.B. <laughs> underscore R.R.
0: And I am Tyler Nielsen. You can find me on the X at TPN 1983.
1: And today we are joined by Rangers Radio Network uh, color uh, color commentator, I guess, Matt Hicks. Matt, how you doing, sir? Doing
2: well. How about you, fellas?
3: Doing Great. great. Cold, great now, but it cold and rainy and windy weather right here in Amarillo right now. So uh, it's been kind of a challenge. Hey, how is your cologne game these days? Did you uh, <laughs> did you upgrade?
2: I, I I have neither upgraded nor downgraded. <laughs> I basically am cologne less. All right. So uh, is Tyler. It, it, it requires yeah. it. Re, it requires a special occasion for me to uh, d- dip into the uh, cologne bag. Uh, and there's not much in there. So I don't know. Maybe I'll get something for Christmas. I told the boys I
3: was going to have to do this. Uh, I told you I wore a bunch of different colognes depending on what I'm wearing. <laughs> I've got, I don't know if you can see it. I got this for when yeah, I wear We'll be able to see them. Yeah, we're not going to be able to see them. I've got a white. I'll just do this real quick.
1: You're, you're vanishing.
2: <laughs> I've got a red.
1: Jeez. Yeah
2: got a green so wait a minute so your your cologne choices are color-coded
3: based on what color i'm wearing yes sir (laughs) oh that's that's different yeah he is our fat he
1: is our fashion forward member of the show
3: I Yeah, I've been told I'm different. I've been called worse, Matt. <laughs>
1: All right, let's start. Let's start, Matt, tonight. Uh, what was it like? I know it's been a little while now, but what was it like uh, getting to see Eric make that call when, when the Rangers became World Series champions?
2: Well, I, I tell you what, it was a special moment. And I think that, um, you know, you can uh, take a look at how all those uh, playoff series progressed and how the world series was, was progressing. And I think we all knew that it was coming, you know, I Ranger fans may have been uh, a, a little weary after the game two lost to Arizona uh, and the way the Rangers lost it, you know, getting blown out in that game. Uh, but then going to uh, Phoenix and winning games three and four. And I just, I, you know, I had a feeling when I got up that morning that we were going to win it there. We weren't going to go back home to have to win this thing. And so I knew that it was inevitable. And people say, yeah, well, uh, Matt, uh, Zach Gallen was certainly uh, not cooperating because he carried a perfect game into the seventh inning uh, in that ball game. But I really felt like not only were we going to get through and punch through at some point, uh, but when we did that, that was going to be it. And so indeed like the Rangers had done all postseason, when they scored first, they won and they did get the gallon for that run in the seventh inning. So at that point I knew it was going to happen. Um, And, you know, it it wasn't like, I mean, obviously I was curious, but I didn't ask him, Hey, you know, but what do you have planned? It's not appropriate. Not one of those things you, you talk about. I'm sitting there waiting like everybody else listening on the radio um, to hear what he's got to say. And he, you know, he had worked out a few things and and he knew that the one thing that he wanted to say, the one line that he wanted to say was Rangers fans, you are not dreaming. Um, And so, you know, that, that, that hit your ears the same time it hit my ears? Uh, But, you know, just getting a chance to sit there, there were only uh, three of us in the booth, me and Eric and our engineer, Walt Ellis, you know, Jared was already downstairs, you know, preparing to interview guys on the field and in the clubhouse. Um, So there were only two of us that got to witness it, uh, you know, firsthand there uh, next to Eric. And it was uh, definitely a a very special moment and one that uh, I'll always remember.
3: And it's one that both of you deserve. I mean, y'all been doing this a long time. Eric's been doing it since Moby Dick was a minnow, you know, and for the Rangers and um, you know, it it was just one of those, it was one of those things. And I'm going to, I'm going to turn this over to Tyler real quick because uh, you, you talked about that, that loss, uh, that one loss that we had in Arizona. We, uh, we had a Ranger report uh, member on location for that.
0: Yeah, Matt, I was there. I was unfortunately the, the one you can blame me for the loss. I was there for game two of the world series and
2: uh, I'm the, well, I'm the culprit. Now. I've got a, so, so, so my wife and son went to game one. Okay. And then I had a, a, a nephew come to town from Michigan and he and my son went to Game Two, and right now we're blaming it on my nephew. But uh, if uh, if you want to take a part of the blame, that's okay. No, hey, we're, hey we're,
3: Matt, we're, put it all on me. I'm good with it. it. We're putting <laughs> putting it half on him and half on his cousin for getting the idea to to go.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, because he went to that series the very first with the Astros, um, which they lost that game too. The game he went to. And so, like we've said on this podcast previously, my cousin is barred from going to any important Ranger games from now on because every time he goes to a game, they lose. They better know regular season <laughs> midsummer games. Right, them, right.
3: But uh, anyway, uh, just to kind of piggyback on that, let's, let's kind of start off with, with how it happened and obviously the Seattle debacle, I guess you could call it, um, where the, the, the division got kind of fumble-farted away but apparently a, a, a one team got on that plane to go to Tampa and another team got off as they flew over home <laughs> to go to go play Tampa Bay
2: yeah you know uh that's a that's a real interesting time in the development if i can use that word of this team late in the season because um you know we went on that final road trip to Anaheim and Seattle and there were a variety of um, avenues that the, the Rangers could take as far as the postseason was concerned. Uh, and, and even when we went to Seattle, I think there were still four possibilities. There was winning the division and waiting for four or five days before playing in the division series. There was losing the division, but qualifying for the postseason, in which case still in play were trips to either Minneapolis or Tampa. And then there was the very real possibility of not making the postseason at all. Um, And, 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 you know, and that, that lived on until the next to last day of the regular season, when the Rangers finally clinched with their only win in that four game series in Seattle. So there was so much that was up in the air, you know, I I tell people all the time when we packed for that trip, number one, we, we can only pack one large piece of luggage to be stowed on the plane Um, we were going to a warm weather climate and a cold weather climate. And then we could possibly stay on the road for another week in both a cold climate like Minneapolis or a a warm climate like Tampa, and then potentially go to a place like Baltimore. Um, So there was a lot that was going on right there. And the way the team played in Seattle was not, awe-inspiring I mean you know you drop three out of four even though you win the third game and you clinch a playoff spot you know I I that was the only uh clincher that I got to be a part of the celebration down in the clubhouse and I think maybe you'll you'll remember uh the whole hullabaloo uh from uh the Astros Alex "Bregman and yeah the Astros yeah the, the Rangers just absolutely you know you know, don't know what they're doing. They just, they partied hard. Well, I'm here partied to tell you that that celebration lasted for about five minutes and it was rather muted because remember the Astros game that night was still in progress. And they, were playing the, they were playing the diamondbacks. And so, yeah, there was this release of emotion. Hey, we know we're in the postseason, and certainly this team deserved that. Um, But shortly thereafter, it was like, hey, the the Astros Diamondbacks game is going on. We need to watch that. So the guys all peeled into the kitchen uh, to watch the end of that game. And of course, the Astros won it, which, you know, set up the scenarios for the final game of the regular season. But I, I really only had time to interview a couple of guys. And then I did a couple of more interviews after the celebration had ended. But I mean, that was very subdued from my experience with postgame celebrations, whether it's making the playoffs or winning the division or winning a a postseason series. So, yeah. So we get on the plane knowing that we've got to fly from Seattle all the way to Tampa. Uh, it's the last time that we were on the team charter uh, because once we got to the postseason, there were so many people traveling, we got bumped to the second plane. But I'm here to tell you that a direct flight from Seattle to Tampa is five hours and five minutes, um, and if you're if you're seated on the right side of the plane, uh, you can look out and you can see the Metroplex, um, and then you know all during that flight, one of the things that really impressed me was um, how businesslike. Everybody was. And in fact, uh, the Rangers were already thinking about what they were going to be doing in that series, that short series with Tampa. So much so that at at, at one point in the flight, uh, Bruce Bochy, who, of course, rides in the front uh, of the plane, uh, came back toward the middle of the plane. He was chatting with a couple of guys who were seated near us. Um, Brett Hayes, and one of our uh, analytics guys, Bobby Mandelow. Uh, and he talked to others uh, throughout the flight, just talking about potential scenarios in that series against Tampa and you know how the Rangers could best make adjustments to scenarios that would pop up late in games. And I, I found it, as I was on that flight, I, I found it to be um, – I'm not too sure what the word is here, but I got a sense of uh, not necessarily relief, but that, you know, these guys are completely focused on the task at hand and I think we're going to be okay. And so after seeing the the way that the guys uh, were, you know, taking the end of the regular season on that flight, getting prepared to play the Rays, I felt like you know these guys' heads are in the right spot, and I felt pretty good going into that series. I certainly couldn't predict that the Rangers would sweep and sweep the way they did, but uh, you know I think it's a testament to um, the ability of of that club and everybody associated with the team to focus and just get the job done.
0: Tyler yeah, Matt, I think you bring up a really good point about this team. Also, you know, you look at teams, I mean, throughout the whole season, they they face adversity, whether it's injuries or you know it's always the next man up mentality. And coming into that, you know, of course, we came in limping into the postseason, but they punched their ticket, they got there, and obviously they were the best team in MLB in the postseason when it mattered. As that shown, they didn't lose a game on the road. They went in and handled business in Tampa. And obviously that momentum carried over to Baltimore, and you've seen what the rest did. You know, of course, we knew the Astros series was going to be tough. Um, It's a division series, obviously, but them two two teams hate each other. And um, we kind of figured it it would go to – we kind of figured it would at least go to game six or game seven in our predictions. That's what we all three said. And they went to game seven, and then once we got past the Astros and we realized we weren't playing the Phillies – I felt a lot more comfortable with uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks, which I think y'all all all did. So I'll let y'all take it from there.
2: Yeah, I think I think everybody probably felt like uh, the Diamondbacks were a more beatable team than the Phillies. But also, you know, given the way that Arizona got there, that was a very formidable club. And yeah. so, uh, and, and, but the one thing about the Rangers, they, they, they didn't take any team lightly. Um, it, it wasn't, you know, I really do get the feeling from um, the players and the staff that it wasn't so much like a sense of relief, like, Ooh, we're getting to play the diamondbacks. That's better. It, <laughs> to convey this, it really is guys doing their job. And it's like, okay. We can put all the Philly stuff aside because we don't have to deal with that anymore. Let's take the Diamondbacks material and let's focus on what we need to do um, to beat this team. And uh, Tyler, you're right about that next man up uh, mentality. One of the things I think when I get asked the question about Bruce Bochy and and what he brought to the table this year, I, I, I think one of the things that he did was he made everybody feel important and that they we're going to contribute something to this team being special, regardless of whether that person was Corey Seager or Marcus Simeon or whether it was Evan Carter coming up late in the season or Cody Bradford or any of these guys. It was all 26 guys who were active and those guys who were traveling with the club that might be activated, like, for example, Ezekiel Duran in the final two games uh, of, the, uh, of the World Series. And even though, you know, Zeke didn't have an impact, um, he knew that there was an opportunity that he might get into a game and he would have to be productive. And so he had to stay ready. Um, Now, it's funny. I don't remember which game it was uh, in the postseason. I don't think it was in the World Series. It may have been the Championship Series. Anyway, we're taking batting practice and Zeke is in the cage taking uh, BP and our, our hitting coach, Tim Hires, turns to me and he goes, best hitter, not on a postseason roster right now. It may have been true, but I mean, that's what's necessary. Um, enable Enabling a team to get to where the Rangers did and to be successful. You've got guys that know that if a player or two players or three players go down, the guys who are going to fill in are guys who are capable of getting the job done. So there really was this, mentality on the club that everybody had a hand in it, Uh, even those guys that that weren't on the active roster uh, for any particular time during the postseason. Right.
1: The thing that got me the most during the postseason, Matt, and I'll say this, was I was so nervous about the bullpen going into the postseason, but my goodness, guys like Josh fours and, you know, especially Jose Leclerc, just nothing seemed to face him. They kept saying that on television too. And and you guys mentioned it on the radio that, you know, he, no matter what, like when he gave up that big home run to Jose Altuve in game five of the American league championship series came out the next day, no problem whatsoever. I mean, nothing seemed to face anyone in this bullpen. And they were such a weakness for the majority of the season. I mean, do you think it's that next man up mentality, or do you think they just built confidence as the postseason went along?
2: You know, it's it, the the ebbs and flows of individuals in the bullpen. That's probably the most difficult thing to put your finger on and say why was this guy? Because you can point to pretty much everybody in the bullpen. Why was this guy so bad for a stretch and couldn't get the job done, and then? at another stretch and it turns out that all the guys got really good at the right time, but why for particular stretches, were they so dominant when previously they weren't? And of course, and it wasn't just going from bad to worse. You had guys being very good and then being not so good and then being pretty good. And it's the life of being in the bullpen at times. I think, you know, one of the most important elements outside of having really nasty stuff um, is having confidence in that stuff and being confident to be able to throw all of your pitches, knowing that you're going to get a good result. It's one thing to have. And of course, LeClerc has a variety of pitches. You know, he's got that, that cut change, that slumbio, he's got a straight change, He was throwing a cutter this year. And, and, you know, the the one thing that that seemed to go hand in hand with Leclerc having success was him getting that really good velocity back, you know, being able to throw 97, 98 as opposed to throwing 93, 94, 95. And and when he had that excellent velocity, it seemed like everything else, you know, played up uh, really well. But just being confident in throwing all of those pitches. You know, sometimes a guy will be working up, well, you know, warming up in the bullpen, and, and maybe one of his pitches he doesn't feel too good about. Maybe it doesn't have the right grip, doesn't have the right feel on the ball, and so he might come into the game going, yeah, I'm I'm really not going to use that pitch. And then the first time he throws it, it's electric. And so there's, I mean, from warming up in the bullpen to coming into the game, a guy might not have confidence in one particular pitch in the bullpen come into the game, throw it once, and all of a sudden, it's a surefire pitch. How do you explain that? I don't, I don't know how to explain it, and I've, and I've had guys talk about it going the other way, where they're warming up in the bullpen, whether they're a starter warming up at the beginning of the game or whether they're a reliever coming in late, and their stuff just being dynamite in the bullpen, and they've got all this confidence, and they come into the game, and all of a sudden, it's like they forget how to pitch. I I I can't explain that. And so I I certainly can't explain the ups and downs of LeClerc or Spores who, you know, when you talk to, to pitching coaches and you talk to other guys in the bullpen and you talk to our catchers and they tell you how nasty Josh's stuff is, I can't explain why he had, you know, those periods where he just wasn't very good. Um, nor can I explain why he was so very good. In the postseason, but thank goodness he was. And if you ask me a question about Aroldis Chapman, uh, I might uh, just walk out of the room because I just I I can't I can't explain why you know Aroldis at times couldn't find the strike zone. But I was actually having a conversation uh, earlier today, uh, and uh, and and Chapman came up, and it's like. I didn't feel good about him finding the strike zone, but I also felt pretty good about nobody hitting 102 or 103. Right. So it's like you 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 ride the wave, you 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 ride the roller coaster. You hope for the best, but I think that one of the reasons why the Rangers were as successful as they were in the postseason is pretty much, you know, that bullpen had gotten itself fully. in. Yeah. And see that, that, that segues
3: to a perfect question that, uh, that I had lined up to, we just had Parker Bridwell on who used to pitch for the angels. Um, I think you remember him. Yep. Uh, that's actually yeah. Tyler's cousin. Um, okay. so yeah, he's from the same hometown as both of us. And, uh, he was talking about the analytics and how he hated them True. and, and all that good stuff. Cause the, you know, the analytical managers and analytical pitching coaches or whatever, they're out there, they're looking at numbers and not, feel of the game mm-hmm. now an example of the opposite of that was bruce Bochi because spores came in he got that big strike out to in the eighth and you're thinking that hey, leclerc's warming up leclerc's going to come in and close this thing out no he's like spores just got out of a a, a, a very highly emotional moment um I think LeClerc would have come in had the score remained one0 but then the Rangers obviously you know, I don't know
2: what the are.
3: right did what Put they did four, in the top yeah. of the ninth but but you know bochi and I think I think I don't I don't know this for a fact but I think bochi said you know what he just had that huge emotional highly intense inning to get us out of it now he's got runs and he's relaxed and he's got pitches left in him Let's let him him go back out there and close this thing out.
2: Yeah. One of the things I think um, when it comes to Bruce Bochy and analytics, um, Bochy wants all the numbers. He wants all of that information. Uh, He wants to know as much as he possibly can. Having, I mean, in any competition, in any battle, you want as much information as possible, and and Bochy does (laughs) – but he wants that information think, so that he can make okay, the best possible decision that he can. And he's not making the decision based upon, okay, here are all these numbers on one sheet of paper, and here's the situation we're facing on another, and how do they match? He uses the information that's he In addition to what's actually going on in the game and what he sees in the faces of his players and what he observes from the opponents. And it's like I, I'm I'm absolutely positive that he felt like at that moment after we took the five nothing lead that Josh can get the job done. There's no reason to go to LeClerc now if I think Spores can get three outs. But if Josh does run into trouble, then at that point we can go to LeClerc and we can, you know, tie this thing up, you know, and, and, and get it to one. Um, but, you know, interesting. Um, spores uh, and the way that he was used, he hadn't really been used much all season long in that really extended role, which he ended up doing, you know, to lock it down in game five. Um, interesting uh, at bat, I believe it was in that eighth inning uh, with the one nothing lead um, when he was facing Paven Smith and he ended up, striking out Paven Smith. And this is something that we mentioned during the course of the broadcast. There was the game within the game during that particular at bat, because those two were teammates in college at the university of Virginia when they Great. won the 2015 NCAA tournament. And I had asked, I asked Josh afterwards, I said, you know, it was, it was running through our minds and I know that paramount in your mind was the task at hand of what you needed to do to get Paven Smith out. I said, but you know, did you let a little bit of, you know, nostalgia creep in there? I mean, here's a buddy of mine. Here's a guy that I won a NCAA title with. And here we are in the world. I mean, did you let that filter in any? He, and he goes, Matt, let me tell you what filtered in. Earlier this season, when we were facing the Angels, I, I, I'm pretty sure it was uh, Matt Theist uh, with the Angels at the time. Um, he was He was facing him. And they and Matt Thice was on that 2015 Cavalier team as well. And Thice homered off of uh Spores. And so what Josh said was is that at that moment that he's facing Pavin Smith, he's thinking back to the home run he gave up to Thice, and he's like, I am not letting another teammate beat me here. He goes not only am I not letting him beat, him, <laughs> striking him out, and that's he exactly did. what he did. Like, so, that curveball, yeah. curveball. <laughs> so, so if you wonder what's going to, you know, when guys say, "Oh no, you know, I'm completely focused on my job," yeah, he was mostly focused on his job, but he was thinking about giving up the nice home run and knowing that he wanted to strike out Smith because he he wasn't getting on base. I was striking him out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's great.
2: Hey. I- um
0: when did you and I guess Eric when did you kind of you know during the season kind of look at each other and realize hey this team is good you know they 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 have a chance to make the postseason and once they got in when did it really click that hey this team has a really good chance of winning the world series when, was there ever a point or a moment in the season that ever happened or
2: I don't know as though there was a point in the season where I thought, hey, this team can win the World Series. I think there were points all along the regular season where we thought, this is going to be a a postseason club. Don't know how far they're going to get. But we certainly felt like the team was capable of making it to the postseason. You know, we started the season by sweeping the Phillies Of all people. We're like, well, if you can do that. Remember, we won one of those games by 13 runs. Uh, That was a good choice. This is a team that can get some things done now like you're going to have in any season that you have the ups and downs uh, and so i think that you know for a pretty good chunk of the year and definitely for a period leading up to about two weeks prior to the all-star break we felt like this was a postseason club then the team kind of limped into the all-star break and you felt like, all right, well, after the All Star game, this is going to be a little bit of a struggle. But then there were some good series there. And I think that I was feeling pretty good about the team making it to the postseason until we had that series at home against Houston in early September. Oh, yeah. The way they the Ashes bombed the crap out of this. That's a really good, that, that's better than any way I could have said it. TJ. <laughs> uh, and I just, after that series, I'm like, Oh man, maybe maybe we ran out of gas, maybe we just don't have it. But then what happened after that? We go to Toronto and take four from the Blue Jays. Right. And yeah. made it and made it look easy. Yeah. And so I'm like, "All right. Well, <laughs> if, 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 if this team can play like that, who, you know, who knew that that was a precursor of what we were going to see on the on, in the postseason on the road, you know?" That's when my faith was restored in the series in Toronto.
1: All right, Matt. Before we let you go, uh, the holidays are coming up. You got any big holiday plans this year?
2: Uh, We're going to stay home. Uh, Our son uh, is uh, uh, coming home this Friday, uh, and so we're going to spend Christmas together uh, here. Uh, my wife and I uh, took a trip uh, right after Thanksgiving to San Antonio. Uh, we we had not taken a, a little mini vacation in a long time where we got in the car and drove. And so it was really nice to be able to go down to San Antonio. We got there uh, the day after Thanksgiving in time to uh, watch the um, uh, Riverwalk Christmas uh Ah uh, parade nice. which we had we had never seen before, so that was nice. So we're planning on having a, a quiet Christmas at home, and then uh, I think we're probably going to uh, you know we've got a lot uh, lined up with the Rangers with caravans and and yeah. uh, fan fest at the end of the month of January. We got a lot going on with the team in January, and then I think we're probably going to take a little vacation in February before spring training is.
1: Well, so are you going to introduce yourself from here on out as World Series champion announcer Matt Hicks since you were there for it?
2: <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's funny. I just celebrated my birthday, and uh, my my wife got me a a Rangers World Series champion polo, and uh, I intend on wearing that uh, quite a bit. Uh, let me tell you. I don't, there you I, go. T- I Tyler's got if... one. Look, Show him, Tyler.
0: I well, have a sweatshirt. T- but
2: Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. yeah so, uh, so I, I don't know if I'll introduce myself that way. <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel I don't ever feel that bold, but it's been a really nice off season to be able to talk about not just getting to the World Series, but winning the World Series yeah. for a Ranger fan base that has been so starved for this. We signed out we've signed some autographs. We've had some autograph signing sessions and uh, the other day at the toy drive hosted by John Gray and his wife, Jacqueline um, so many fans just said, thank you just for the season in general and for winning the world series and how much that meant to so many people. And it's, it's been, it's been a humbling experience to hear so many people say that.
3: Yeah, and I'll 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 go ahead and and, and talk about this the night the, the the World Series uh the clincher, me and Tyler and Ben are texting each other back and forth throughout the game, <laughs> ad nauseum, yep. you know, whatnot. And then all of a sudden, once Boards got the strikeout, we didn't text each other again the rest <laughs> of the night. Really? I was, I mean, too,
1: I was too busy crying, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
3: it was so. And me, they those two cried, and for whatever reason, I have a hard time crying. Not like I try to, <laughs> but um, I just I'm not one of those, oh, I'm a tough guy, I don't cry. No, I just it's all don't. the cologne, yeah, it's all the I cologne, but but so that happened, and I mean, I'm, I thought I would cry, and instead, I just sat there. Stunned. In awe. Stunned. (laughs) And just watched the celebration and just enjoyed it and soaked it in. And We still can't. Me and Tyler were talking about this last night. All three of us were talking about this last night in our text chain. We still think it's a dream, you know? Really?
2: Well, Eric told you that it wasn't.
0: (laughs) He did. (laughs) did.
1: You're right. He did.
2: (laughs) I should listen to him. him. Matt
1: Hicks, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We really appreciate your time.
2: Uh, as always, I, I, I enjoy talking to you guys. Thanks for having me on. Yep, Thanks, Matt. Yes, Have, yes, it. Sir. My yeah, it. Have a Thank great you. night.
3: Thank
0: you. Thanks. Yes, sir. Thanks.
2: Thanks for listening to the Ranger Report podcast. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and at therangerreport.com.